Welcome to Lakeside Church's message podcast. Our prayer is that you fall in love with Jesus, find your church family, live in freedom, and be active in your purpose. Let's join the message already in progress. And I, I am going to open up again in a little more prayer because I think uh, sharing God's word is important. I thank you for the access we have to your word that we have at the click of a button on our phones or, or on paper in front of us, we have the word of God. So we come to your word today and we ask that you teach us, you'd shape us, you'd enlighten us, inspire us, correct us, energize us. God, let your will be done in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So in Matthew chapter 6, um, this is a, uh, Matthew 5 starts just a, you know, I, I've said before, kind of like the constitution of the kingdom of God. It really talks about what the kingdom of God is all about. And he talks about forgiveness and mercy and, and just the way to live giving and, and all these things. But in verse 9, he talks about prayer. And so this is Jesus talking. And he says, verse 9, he says, pray like this. So he's saying this is the way that we should pray. And then it just starts off, and, and I know that this is common, commonly heard. You guys might have the Lord's Prayer memorized. You might have said it a thousand times. But let's try to just look at it with fresh eyes. He says, you know, our Father in heaven. It's amazing that God, the Creator, um, calls, us his, calls us His children, and that He set up this 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 thing so that by faith we can come to him through grace and he'll be our father. He says, our father in heaven, hallowed be your name. I liked what, what my wife said earlier, you know, eternity won't be long enough to sing his praise, but this idea that that prayer should be a realization that he's our father, a remembrance of that prayer should have praise that, that I, I think if you come into God's presence, you can't help but praise him when you know all the your will be done. And I just think that that is the idea that we come to God and we humble ourselves, we submit to him, and we say, God, God, not our will, but like do what you want with us and in our lives. Verse 11, I'm on earth as it is in heaven. Verse 11 says, give us this day our daily bread. The idea that we can come to the Father and, and what we need the substance that we need spiritually and physically and, and emotionally, like what we need, we, we can go to our dad and we can ask him. And I, I just, God, I, I hope we're doing this as a church. I hope it's not just something we do for 21 days in the, in the January and August, but, but that we learn how to come to him and we say, God, not our will. And God, give us what we need, our daily bread. Like, we cannot do this without you. Then he adds in there, verse 12, he says, forgive us our debts. You know, this idea that, that we're going to fail, we're going to sin, we're going we're gonna to fall short. Even after we, we know him and we trust him, we fail. Take it for granted, but it's just freely given when we ask. Then he adds in there something that, that I think we need to remember. He says, you know, as we have forgiven our debtors, and this idea that, that just like we're always falling short, the people in our lives are going to fall short, our spouses, our, 
our neighbors, our children, our friends, our, our family, our church family, that we're going to have to constantly be forgiving each other and like releasing that and letting people, giving people the grace to, to make mistakes and hopefully to grow, to learn from them, of course, but, but that's, that's their job to learn temptation, but deliver us from evil. This idea, this, this word temptation in, in the Greek, it can, it, can mean, it can mean sometimes testing or it can mean those things that will make it easier for us to sin. Um, last week we talked about delivering us from evil and how, how the way to, to get away from the enemy is to submit to God and to humble ourselves under his mighty hand. Um, this week I want to talk about temptation. It's interesting when, when Jesus says, let's pray, um, one of the things he says like to add in there that should be a part of how we pray is like, Lord, keep us from those things that make it easy for us to sin. Um, if, if you follow Jesus for more than a minute, you know that we can fail and that sometimes we can be put in situations that just make it easy to sin. And so we ask him, we say, God, like, don't let me go be in those situations. Don't let me, let me, don't make it any easier to sin than it already is. Amen? Because it's easy enough. So, so we're going to talk about that. And so we're going to read some verses on temptation. And we're going to see what the scripture says about temptation. Because I think if we're going to, we're going to pray about it, then we should kind of understand what we're praying about. So in the book of James, if you want to flip over there, and chapter 1, verse 13, um, it says, Let no one say when he is tempted that I'm being tempted by God. So God doesn't tempt us. God doesn't try to make it easy for us to sin. He doesn't, he doesn't, doesn't do that. It says, for God cannot be tempted, and he himself tempts no one. Verse 14, it says, but each person, that's all of us, when we are tempted, it's when we're lured and we're enticed. Fishing in the ocean a lot with my, with my father, we used, to, we used to be out in the ocean a lot fishing, and we would chum the water. And what that is, you put some like fish guts and fish parts out in there, and the fish smell it, I guess, or sense it, whatever they do, and they know that they're enticed. And so they come by because they want to eat something. Um, they're lured by the, by the chum, and then like the bait entices them. You know, we put a, put a piece of mullet on a hook and hope that, that, that they want to bite that mullet, and then we got them. And so sin, we're lured, we're enticed, by what's going on in our hearts, by the things that, that our own desires. Then he says something interesting. He expands. He says that when that desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. So it always starts in our hearts. There's always like a, a thought or an inclination or a desire, something in us that wants something bad, sin is bad, like it starts and it sits there in our heart. And then all of a sudden, sometimes that thought turns into a sin. And it says, and then when that sin is fully grown, 
it brings forth death. So that sin becomes a habit and it actually destroys us. If you think about people that are addicted to drugs um, and maybe homeless or, or doing some things that, like the first time they tried it, they didn't say, you know, I just really like to sleep with strangers in the gutter and be naked all day. Like that would be great. Like that's not what they were planning, but they, but they take a drug and they, they thought about it. Then they, they sinned and then they did it. And as that sin grew, you see the results of the death in their life. And so the first part about sin is I want and temptation is that it starts in our heart, right? That's what Jesus, or that's what James says. I'm sorry, James says it in here, is it starts in our heart. So, see, we need Jesus' blood to forgive us, but we need the Holy Spirit to renew us and to regenerate us. Um, 1 Corinthians 10, if you want to flip there, Paul, so that was James talking about temptation. In 1 Corinthians 10, chapter 10, 10 verse 12, um, Paul is going to talk about it, and he says, Hey, let anyone who thinks he stands think you're standing for Jesus, you're living well, you're doing well, take heed, lest he fall. So this is for all of us. doesn't matter how long you've been with the Lord, how much scripture you've read, how many times you've prayed, how many times you've been to church. Like, if you think you're standing... Like, be careful and watch yourself because it says, no temptation has overtaken you except that which is common to man. So there's these temptations that common to all of us because we all have wicked hearts apart from God's grace and the renewing of the spirit. But then he adds something in there. He says, but God is faithful and he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. The temptation's never going to be beyond your ability to say no. But with the temptation, he will also provide. So he's saying there, he's saying, all right, you think you have it all together. You think everything's good. And I'll tell you, like, like that's us. I look around, I see good people, I see people that love the Lord, I see people that, 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 that want Jesus in their lives, and, but still be careful. Because sin is at the door and temptation will come, but even though it's coming, like it's not going to overtake you. you. You can't just say, oh, oh, they tempted me, sorry. No, it, it's not going to overtake you, it's not going to overcome you. And when that tempe of comes in this. So if you see yourself being tempted or you start to sense that the temptation is overcoming, if, if the desires of your heart, if the affections of your heart are turning from Jesus to something bad, you need to let that be a trigger and say, uh-oh, I'm in some temptation. Where is my way of escape? what's God's way out of this? And, and we, taught, we started that with prayers. Lord, lead me not into temptation. Lord, show me the escape. Show me my way out of this and, and give me the grace to follow that. I, I want to talk a little more in Corinthians in chapter 6. 
And I think this is important with, with the world that we live in. Chapter 6, verse 18. He says, flee from sexual immorality. See, I think that because of the structure of the world and, and the way this world is going, we got to be careful with sexual immorality. Because I think most people have a desire like for that, and there's a godly way to take care of that, but there's a lot of ungodly ways to take care of that. There's a lot of sinful ways. And so what does he say in verse 18? He says, flee from it. In other words, there's a way of escape. Run that way. Flee. Now, that word flee is kind of like, that. that's a big word. That's like, get the heck out. It's not like, just casually back away from it, keeping your eyes, and do it quick. I think of the time when we were, my wife and I were in a Burger King, and it got robbed. And if you've never been in a place when it's got robbed, when some guy comes in with a mask and a gun, like, it's a great experience. It's pretty awesome, you know. <laughs> I highly recommend it. No, I'm just kidding. But, but the guy comes into the Burger King, and we're sitting there on a Friday night, and um, he comes in, and he goes to the register, and I'm like, oh, this sucks. This is, what are we going to do? And so I, my wife, we were married at that point, so I said, hey, take your rings. Drop them in your Coke. I figured, like, he comes over to rob us. He's not going to take my Coke. So we, we dropped our rings in our Cokes, and we're like, all right. And then as soon as he jumped over the counter to go back with the lady, like we fleed, fled, fled, fleed, we're fleeing. We were running so hard that my grammar was bad, okay? And like we, I remember I took her hand and we just ran out the back door and we were just running away from that because that was dangerous. We feared for our lives, like we did not want something bad to happen. And we were running so hard that like, I remember I, I took, I let go of my wife's hand to push the door open. And then I made a hard left to go to the car. And right by the time I get to the car, I look across the parking lot and my wife just ran straight. And I was, and we leave, but I run back across the parking lot, get her, go back to the car, and we leave, but, but that's like, that's fleeing. We didn't just say, oh, it's getting robbed, got a refill, packed up our food, put stuff in the trash. No, we left. Came back later when the, when the police were there, we got our rings back, got our, finished our food, like we got, we got our stuff. But at that point, like the desire was to leave. And so, so what you have to, you have to treat temptation. He's about to steal some relationship with God is fresh and your, your faith is strong and the enemy has shown up to steal from you. And when, when you start to feel your heart being tempted and being led astray, leave with prejudice as hard as you can. And don't look back. Verse 18, flee from sexual immorality. 
And this is a weird thing that Paul says. It's a weird concept, but let, let's read it and let's think about it. It says, every other sin that a man commits is outside of your body, but the one who, who is sexually immoral, immoral, but the sexually immoral person sins against his own body. See, sexual immorality is rampant today, and it's, it, it's, it's everywhere. Then he says something interesting in verse 19. He says, don't you know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit? Do you know that? Within you, from whom you have from God, you're not your own. You were bought with a price. So glorify God in your body. It's our job to flee. We can pray, Lord, lead us not into temptation. But sometimes it's there. is that we are not strong enough, but yet he provides a way of escape. And go quickly. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. So we're, we're, we're in the same book. If we flip over a few pages, verse 33. Paul says, don't be deceived. Bad company corrupts good morals. Bad company. It's amazing to me that that, that when we're around other people, I want, it changes us. And so I, I, I want to be very clear, like, we're not better than anybody else, but we know we're weak. So there's some places we don't need to be. There's some people that we don't need to be around because it affects us. And I think we can all agree, yeah, if we know that there's a, something disgusting going on sexually or some drug party that most of us are like, I'm not going to be there. Like, I know what they're doing. Because we know that that's not a good place to be. But how many times do we let this thing keep us company? And we let bad company right into our mind and our hearts by, by the stuff we see. And it might not even be something really bad. I mean, you might see something, and you're like, whoa, that was a news article, but that person didn't have clothes on. Whoa, why? And then it leads you to another place that's just a little bit more bad. Because we're pretty clear we don't want to sin, but, but I just saw that, but let me look at that. And then the next place is just a little worse and then before we know it we're caught and it could be with sexual sin with with any anger it could be with hatred it could be with racism it could be with with with, with any number of things that we let this company into our lives it's amazing you can walk into a re restaurant and you can see people like on a date but yet they're not with that person, they're with this. Whatever media is streaming into their lives. And so I would say if, if you wouldn't let a person do that in your presence, why do you entertain it there? 
Don't you know what corrupts good morals? You take it in. Don't you know that when you take in stuff in your mind and in your heart and you, you take it in over and over again, it's corrupting? Flee. I'm not talking about anything in specific, but, but you know your vice. You know what you allow into your mind that is, that is not building up your heart, not building up your faith, not drawing you closer to Jesus or, or making sin just a little more acceptable. Flee. All of a sudden, you start going down the rabbit hole. I, I hope this week somebody just tosses their phone across the room. I mean, don't break it, it's expensive, but, but you're just like, whoa, I'm not going there. Because there's a way of escape, it's the power button. It's the off button. Bad company, don't be deceived. You wanna stay away from temptation, don't be deceived. Don't think that you can just put yourself in any situation and it won't corrupt you. It's not because we're better than people. It's because we know how bad we are. And we know our own weaknesses. And, and some of you who have given up alcohol, I mean, there's some people that, that you can have a drink in a biblical way and you don't get drunk. But there's some people that have struggled with it and they know, they've learned over the years, can't do that, because one leads to 90. And then I'm back where I was, and I don't want to go that way. Well, we each know where we stumble and where we fall. And the Lord was pretty clear, lead us not into temptation. It's our job to pray that. It's his job to take care of that. But temptation will come because our hearts are sneaky. You ever notice you can be doing great? You can be walking with the Lord and all is well. We haven't thought about that in a while. And it starts to lead you. So just be cautious. Um, so what's the answer? So we've talked about the problem. and So what's the answer? In Romans chapter 2, we can flip there, and I think we can see part of the answer. Romans chapter 2, verse 28. There was a lot of debate about circumcision, the outward cutting off of flesh, but it says, For no one is a Jew who is merely one outwardly, nor is circumcision outward and physical. But one is a, is a Jew inwardly. The circumcision is a matter of the heart, by the spirit, not by the letter. His praise is not from man, but from God. So there was this, this symbolic thing that the Jews had done for generations of cutting off excess flesh. And Paul is saying, like that was pointing towards this thing that would happen in our hearts by the Spirit. That God could actually come into our hearts through His Spirit and cut some junk off. Trim some excess fleshly thoughts and desires. 
It's not just an outward thing, but it's a, it's a spiritual thing, right? Because where does sin come from? We're tempted when we're drawn away by our own desires. So where do we need the Holy Spirit to work? In our own hearts. Lord, clean us up. Cut off the junk. Remove the extra stuff that leads us away from you. It's a good thing to pray. It's a good thing to hope in. And it's a good three. Paul is also talking. This is in chapter 3, verse 4. And I want you to see this. It says, but when the goodness and loving kindness of our God and Savior appeared, he saved us. If you've been battling with something, like I want you to, to understand that it's by the goodness of God and the loving kindness of our Savior that we're saved. Like he saved us because he's good. He knows our hearts and he loves us anyway. He knows those things about us that no one else knows and he says, I love you anyway. And I died for you, not at your best, but at your worst. It says he saves us because he wants to, because he's good. Verse 5, it says he saved us, not by works that we have done in righteousness, but according to his own mercy. So we got to understand this because it's not because we're good. It's because he's good. He's good. He saves us by his own mercy, not by what we did. But then he says something, and, and this is something that I want us to not just read about, not just believe, but, but I think in, in some way we can experience this. It says, by the washing of regeneration and the renewal of the Holy Spirit. The idea that the Holy Spirit regenerates us. He, he brings the dead things in us to life. He renews us. He makes us new, a new creation. Verse 6, it says, Whom he poured out richly. Like there's this richness to the presence of God in the life of a believer. This, this, this richness of his spirit, this pouring out through Jesus. It's the work of Jesus, our Savior. See, salvation is, it involves the cross, it involves the death, it involves the resurrection, but it also involves the, the glorification of Jesus when he went to the right hand of the Father and the Spirit of to regenerate us. So that being just justified by his grace, we might become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. Lord, lead us not into temptation. A few things I want us to remember. Temptation comes from our hearts, but whenever temptation is present, there's always a way of escape, and we should go quick. Because if you hang around too long, you're not going to leave. There comes a point when you are not going to take the exit. So if you say, oh, I should go, go. There's a story in Genesis 39 where, where Joseph is, is placed in this house and he's like the number two guy in this house. There's this guy, who Potiphar, who owns the house. He's the master of the house and Joseph works for him. 
and Joseph is in charge of everything, and things are good. But his wife, Potiphar's wife, his boss's wife, thinks he's pretty hot. And she keeps encouraging him. Hey, buddy. Good looking. And one day, everybody else is gone. And she says, hey, buddy. Just you and me. What does Joseph do? It says she grabbed him by the coat and she's like, hey, come into my room. Joseph shakes his outer garment off and he runs outside the house. Not today, Satan. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> and let me tell you, you might not have had that temptation today, but temptation is going to come. You're sitting in a season of your life where it's nothing but temptation, nothing but a desire to do something that you know is wrong, whatever that might be. That's where you need to say, Lord, your word talks about your spirit renewing us, your spirit cutting things off of my heart, your spirit regenerating me. That's where you need to say, Lord, your kingdom come in my life. Like your will is to regenerate and to renew and to, to fix me. So, Lord, I need some of that. Don't take temptation lightly. This isn't a message of judgment. It's a message of hopefully hope. Would you bow your head just for a second? Would you close your, your eyes? Would you... Think through your own life right now, your, your recent life. It doesn't have to be a sexual sin. There's a, there's a million sins out there, and we're good at creating them. But if you've been falling to temptation, if you've been stuck in a cycle of, of doing wrong over and over again, if you've been putting yourself in bad company, maybe actual people that you know, or maybe just media and stuff you allow into your home and into your mind. There's a work of the Spirit. There's a cleansing that can happen, a renewing, a regeneration, a cutting off. Would you just put your hand up if you've been dealing with anything in your life that you say, you know what, I've, I know I shouldn't be doing this, whatever it is, but this on. See hands all over the room. Well, the Lord said when we pray, pray like this. It says, forgive us for our sins. So right now, if that's you, I'd say the first step is to say, Lord, forgive me. I knew this was wrong, and I did it anyway. So would you just pray that if you put your hand up or if you're in that situation and you didn't put your hand up? Just ask God to forgive you, and I believe he will. The next step is ask God to pour his spirit out in your life to pour his spirit out into your heart, richly like he said he would in Titus. Ask him to renew your heart, 
to renew your love for Jesus, to, to regenerate, to bring dead things to life, to make you new, to make you the way he wants you to be. Pray for his will to be done in your heart. Thank you, God. Lord, you know where we're all at. We bring every sin, every mistake, every big and small, we bring them at your feet. We say, Father, forgive us and thank you for the cross of Jesus Christ. Thank you that his blood is enough to forgive us. And Lord, we ask for your renewing power. We ask for the spirit of God to fill us afresh to renew our hearts and our minds. God, for the grace to stay no to bad company, for those people or for that media that is drawing us away from you. And Lord, lead us not into temptation. Move people out of our lives. Move situations out of our lives that, that are not good for us. And Lord, when temptation comes, help us to see your way of escape and give us the grace to flee not in that cycle anymore, but to be new and to be whole in Jesus. Lord, lead us not into temptation and deliver us from evil. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey guys, I'm Bob. <laughs> <laughs>